0: Hello, world. Welcome to another week of golf, subpar, Colt Nost and Drew Stones. As you can see, we're not together, which is very, very disappointing.
1: But you know what, Sleece? It's always good to see your beautiful face. Appreciate you. Mutual, even though you look like you're coming to us live from the top of uh, Sears Tower or somewhere right there, Why, where are you right now?
0: I'm at our boy Tommy Kane's house here in Chicago, down in River North. place is unbelievable. Talk about a man who likes to get amongst it, our guy Tommy Kane nice enough to let me crash here for a few days before i head up to the john deere you know i i love the john deere but i don't need to spend any more time in moline than i have to
1: you gotta, i think you got to figure it out in terms of the, the where you spend your time leading up to that deal top of top of tk's place up in chicago not a terrible location but uh it's got back what's up yeah Nantuckets at top of TK's. You're, you're living a pretty damn good life right now it's gonna be hard to come home and go back to your normal house but uh you were out there this past week. A, it looked hotter than shit. So I want to know about that. B, I want to know, did you ever get in contact with our guy Marshall Mathers? And is he a yes? When should we start booking him? And three, Cam Davis. guy I mean, not a guy out of nowhere, but uh, not a guy whose name was um, at the top of people's minds, I guess, going into this I week. I
0: definitely do not think his name was on many yeah. people's
1: betting boards. That's for sure.
0: But I tell you what, Detroit, it was awesome. You know, they got a ton of rain earlier in the week. Um, They did an unbelievable job getting the place ready to go. The weather was actually nice Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not too hot. We were very, very lucky Sunday. Oh my God. I almost died. I thought it was around 92 degrees, you know, humid heat index, just all the moisture coming out of the ground. I was, I was the rabbit on course reporter. Mark Emmelman had the final group. So basically where anyone made a move I went to, so I was bouncing around like a goddamn pinball out there sweating my ass off. And then to top it all off, we get a three-man playoff, so I gotta go even more. We're all panicking. Trying, we all have like eight thirty to eight fifty flights. We're supposed to be off air at six. Now this playoff just won't end. Oh my god, please! It was and y'all fantastic.
1: and the whole squad wore all black. I saw, and I was like, that's, that's you that's know the thing they do black, black It's good days. for not showing sweat, but not good for not yeah. sweating. So catch I mean, twenty two.
0: If Troy Merritt made that par putt on the fifth playoff hole, we all have been screwed. And missed our flight, and had to spend another night in Detroit, but you know unfortunately he missed it but yeah. good for cam davis you know this kid i mean what a beautiful golf swing um
1: Dude, that thing's a joke.
0: i mean There's i'm sure everybody's seen the videos of him swinging it left-handed as well it is really impressive i would say might need to work on the putting a little bit i i kind of said it i didn't say it on air but like off air i was like you know i think the only way cam davis wins this is the troy Merritt messes up because he just can't seem to make that clutch putt when he needed to but you know what he put on an unreal performance made made only one putt over 20 feet the whole week and ended up getting away
1: yeah it looks like he just swings the hell out of it and just ball strikes they hit every green in the in the playoff in the five-hole playoff gave himself a bunch of chances i thought it was over uh on the first playoff hole after he stacked that nine iron in there again almost exactly how he did at the end of regulation which by the way we didn't even talk about that finishing eagle birdie to get yourself into a playoff pretty damn clutch and troy merritt clutched up too there was a lot of pretty you know good closing play down down the stretch yesterday to get into that thing but i thought i thought cam davis had won it on the first playoff hole coming off the you know the birdie and regulation um i thought he was going to get it done but dude that golf swing over and over doesn't look like much can go wrong with that
0: i believe at one point during the round yesterday we had like 14 guys within one shot of the league i was like we're gonna have a two group playoff here i mean it's it's just gonna be nuts but cam davis man this could get his career off and going won the australian open back in 2017 but this is his first you know big win obviously over here and it's uh it's a game changer a career changer for him
1: so good i mean yeah he's gonna never know see him on president's cups and things he just looks like the the um prototypical modern day golfer he's big and tall he's skinny he's long his golf swing's perfect but like you said i think the putter you know i guess he can get better with that. But that's the only thing that he's really lacking right now. And he's still winning PGA Tour events without really holding anything. So pretty damn hard to do. But, Cole, I want to ask you, because you were there on the grounds. My pick this week didn't turn out too good. Bryson found himself in the news again with a little caddy mix-up. Uh, the day before the event, I decided, you know what? Not anymore. And they had to do a little switcheroo. Yeah, so we know, I know about it. So, So Tim has
0: stepped away before. And then he's came back. Um, this one was interesting. I actually talked to Tim at Hartford the week before. I had a subpar hat on and he's like, what is that? And I was like, that's our podcast. He's like, have me on. And I'm like, you know what? I actually think it'd be interesting. Our caddy episodes do great. And your, your yeah, caddy's be one of the great. most interesting men in golf. I think it'd be awesome. He's like, I'd love to come on. He's like, he has a new business. He started a luxury bus company that gets you from Portland or the private airports in that area over to Bandon Dunes. He's like, can I promote my business? I'm like, more than welcome to. Happy to have you on yeah so last week wednesday night i go to dinner and uh there's tim tucker he comes up and he's like have me on your podcast now and i'm like um well they're not really here but you know we could some- figure something out he's like i want to come on i got a lot to say and i'm like oh interesting Hello. Like, hey, i was like did you quit and he kind of looked at me like he didn't say anything and i was like interesting so he bought me a drink i went over and had my dinner I was like, man, this is just weird. Like, I get a weird feeling something happened. The next morning, the news breaks that they mutually agreed to split ways.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Tim Tucker no longer there. Uh, very interesting timing. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, caddies come and go. I'm like, listen, here's the deal. He was there on Tuesday. He was there on Wednesday. Yeah. Caddies don't get – caddies don't mutually – players don't mutually agree to separate ways on Wednesday night. Exactly. So, obviously, something happened um i'm interested to see if it ever comes out with what exactly did happen if jim does ever come back i i don't know but i'm very interested to see who the hell is going to caddy for bryson dechambeau because there's not many caddies out there in my opinion that are capable of caddying for bryson because it requires a lot it's a much different situation it's almost like i think you need to go through like a little two-week boot camp training to understand exactly what bryson wants
1: uh, you're gonna have to, yeah it might take more than two weeks in a lot of cases I mean when you get everything that he wants and, and also Cole on top of like learning a new language getting all his distances learning his clubs all that different type of stuff the amount of hours that you work as a Bryson caddy is I mean more than anyone on the PGA Tour I would guess So he's got him banging balls into the you know until it's pitch black at major championships he shows up early he stays late it's just that job, as a, as a whole, granted, it's a very it's a good paying caddy job. I mean, the guy's gonna make a lot of money. You're gonna participate in all of that. It, it, you can do a lot lot worse, but there's also um, just the the time and the energy and the hours you got to spend with him out there. I, I think it's got to be the hardest in my mind, probably caddy job on the PGA Tour, and it takes a very specific type of dude to be able to do it to learn all that shit like you were saying to get it exactly the way bryson's gonna want it before every single shot i think that takes a long time so as soon as they i saw i read that on on wednesday i saw that on the news i was like well no way bryson's gonna have a week this week there's just too much brain his brain's gonna explode after all that
0: yeah it's it was a tough situation obviously i mean he he relied on and people kind of because on the broadcast i said you know i was saying how he relies on tim tucker so much and everybody's like oh you think you can't play without Tim Tucker? And I was like, I didn't say that. What I said was he relies on him a lot. Like they go over everything. They they have a yeah. weird formula, the way they come up with numbers and all this. He's very involved in the green reading, everything. And now he's doing it all on his own. So I thought he was going to struggle last week after all that happened. But like I said, so mind,
1: is, yeah, it's just like a security blanket. Like you're used to having something there. You can go through all this stuff, your checks, your, you like it this way. You like a 125 flighted or whatever their little terminology is that they use. It's just a, a reassurance, like, yeah, that's the right thing. And then you got somebody that's never done it and probably can't speak the language that you like using. It's a – I, I, I kind of – as soon as that happened, I was like, well, maybe not the week of Big price, and after all. Was yeah, betting I, was baby to, too.
0: Yeah. I was talking to some of the caddies out there. like, who do you think's going to get it? And they're like, listen, there's going to be a lot of guys apply for this job, but there's only a handful that are actually capable of doing it. So – I'm excited to see. I mean, he's got the match um, today, which yeah, we'll yeah. see. It'll we'll be nice to see who's on the bag for it. Um, but moving forward, I mean, we've got the open championship next week, and he's going to have to have somebody carry his bag.
1: Better figure it out, yeah, pretty damn quick. So he ain't got a whole lot of time. I've not, I want to clear all the rumors right now. I've not been contacted at this okay. point, Colt. That's yeah. all I'm, I'm going to say at this moment. At this moment, I am not Bryson's caddy, period.
0: You, you stole my next question, but thank you for go ahead and clarifying that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what, one man who does not have any caddy issues, John Rahm, the U.S. Open champ, our guy, you know, he's been on the golf subpar twice. You win a major championship, you get to come back again. We sat down with him for a very special U.S. Open edition of Golf Subpar. All right, well, before we get to our guy, John Rahm, I want to tell you about our friends from Rockform. Sleeze, best speakers on the market. We love these things. They came back because they love getting amongst it. Strongest magnet I've ever seen. They're waterproof. Tell them what else they do.
1: I was rock forming it this weekend. I'll tell you that. We had dual rock forms, cult for the first time I've ever had two connected to each other. And it is like a goddamn rock concert out there. It is so fun. These things are the best. It started raining on us a little bit, too. They're water resistant. Don't worry about any of that. But if you're going to get a speaker, you like to have a good time on the course, like to get amongst it, you need rock form, period. I, think, I
0: tell you what, Sleaze. If your service goes out, you can't get to your Spotify, your iTunes, whatever, it's got an SD card on the speaker, holds up to 5,000 songs, so you can always continue to get amongst it. Go to rockform.com, enter code SUBPAR for 25% off. That's rockform.com, enter code SUBPAR for 25% off. Get amongst it with Rockform. Here he is, John Rahm on Golf Subpar.
1: All right, our first two-time guest now becomes our first ever three-time guest, and he returns as the number one ranked golfer on the planet, U.S. Open champion, the Spaniard, John Rom. Welcome back, brother.
2: Thank you. Uh, I hope the listeners aren't getting sick of me at this point, but it's all right. Well, uh, it's a good excuse to be. In. Yeah, yes. it's a good excuse.
3: Yeah, it's good to have you I'll back. I tell you what. Yeah, it's our first ever time having a major championship trophy in the studio. So thank you for bringing that. But <laughs> what's life like been like since you became the U.S. Open champion?
2: Uh, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, besides the obvious necessary celebrations has been the same. Uh, I do believe having a young infant in the house, that's, that's help a lot in the sense of no matter what you do or you party or not, in the morning that baby needs a diaper change, he needs to be fed, he, he needs his parents. So it's uh, it does keep you grounded a lot faster than... than if you didn't so it's uh you know the last few days i didn't really touch a club up until yesterday so until tuesday just over a week and you know it's been nice just taking some time off eating whatever i mean i know that's a dad box. Much, but i, I saw you with the dad box shirt yeah <laughs> i usually do try to eat somewhat clean it's just the amount of plates that i eat that's a problem
1: i think you you earned <laughs> it i think people will look past that and you brought the trophy here today how beautiful mm-hmm. it is how over is this thing? What's this thing? It looks like it needs oh an God. IV. It's um, it's been it's been going.
2: I mean, it was only Sunday night, Monday, and Tuesday, and oh my God, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of a lot of orange juice that went through it.
1: <laughs> a lot, of orange, a lot yeah. of orange juice. That's right.
0: That's yep, right. You gotta
3: get that vitamin C. I like that. Right, there we go. But you, had a, you had a celebration Tuesday night mm-hmm. at Silverleaf when you got home. I know the sleeves was in was in making an appearance. Tell us a little bit about that. I know Ben Herman was filling that thing up with some nice tequila for you.
2: Yeah, it, it basically, I arrived. Ben took the trophy, and it was his trophy for the rest <laughs> of the night. It, it's like he had won. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I just looked away, and all I see is a couple of empty bottles. It's like, here, John. I'm like, oh, boy. And of course, it got to a point during the night where everybody wanted a picture, a video, everybody wanted a picture, a video of them and me drinking. And that was before I could eat anything. So I'm like, listen, before I die in the next 45 minutes, let's take a second, <laughs> yeah. okay? Get me, let me get some carbs in me before, you know, something bad happens. And uh, but it, it was a great night, honestly. It was really fun, uh, especially in a close environment. You know, there's no no ju- no judgment, and well, things got a little bit a little wild. Uh, those the dark golf, golf balls. Those I mean, were dude, there was some people hidden that should have not been hidden, and I I I got scared. Like I was hiding behind people because I was like. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one getting hurt here. Because, I mean, come on. You're
1: hitting it off a brick. Off a brick. And People there was that little rock wall, like, yeah. five Excuse yards it. in front of it. I not know if you saw it. Like, it was, what? It, I mean, what is it? Two feet high? Three feet? It's not high, but you're also hitting off bricks. Exactly. And there was the one dude got up there. He had a broken leg. He rolled in on the <laughs> little thing that rolls his <laughs> he, leg around with a cast he on. Toured, and he his hit it and hit the wall. Oh, he, is that what it was? So
2: it was poor surgery cast. <laughs> it's trying to swing. Dude. And it's his right leg. So, like, he's it's full-on stack and tilt. So that ball was not going to get off the ground. Yeah, no, that was that was not good.
1: It hit the wall and started ricocheting around like a bullet. And I was like, "This would be a tough way for Rom to have the WD from the open if he catches a stray fluorescent golf ball to the dome." Ah, yeah, tough. that's when Rom's out. out.
2: That's when I went away. Herman was I well, mean, insisted on getting a practice session going on there.
1: Oh yeah, he took over.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Of course, that's what he does. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, you deserve every minute of that celebration. I got to ask though, when you, if you look at the names on that trophy, who mm. do you think had the biggest
2: party with it? Oh, I haven't thought about that.
1: What do you think about mm-hmm. it? I'm I can looking you at you a man who didn't
2: have the biggest party.
1: 1899 <coughs> Willie Smith one I'm seeing right now. I that, think that Willie I probably you, listen, sent it back in the day.
2: I don't know in the personal level, but I can't picture Bryson just going on offender. I just can't see it. So uh, I got to say Brooks. Brooks or Dustin?
3: I would go, yeah, that's good. That's fair. I saw Bryson in dallas with the u.s amateur trophy at a yogurt shop so i'm gonna go out i'm gonna agree with you wait hold on
2: you fill it up with yogurt i mean that's not a bad it's not the worst idea i mean
1: a little pink berry from the U.S.O. that's I pretty normal he probably fills it with his muscle milk and then that's how much he knows he has to take it a day
2: it's perfect it's pretty much a no milk more idea.
1: scoops what's that's, the insurance policy on a, on a situation like this let's no say idea. you get a little loose and drop it or I, I maybe an blue. unruly fan walks off with it what happens I honestly don't know. Uh,
2: What I have been told is the angel on top of the trophy, they said they have a stack of them because apparently they they screw off or they break off pretty easily, Um, especially because the top, it's a screw on and off. So I think people grab it off the top and and sometimes they they break off. I would say I have to be careful having it outside in Arizona in the heat right now because it would probably be easy to to bend and things like that. But I, I actually don't know. I know you get a replica after a while. I truly have no idea. I I can't imagine this being the actual original one. Somebody must have. Done it has to have to been it. through
1: hell.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought up. You get a replica because I'm very curious about this. Mm. Not that it matters since you just won two point two five million dollars, but do you have to pay for
2: it? I have no idea. I'll gladly pay for it. I mean, <laughs> gladly I'm give me curious? ten of those.
1: Get two, dog. I want one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they provided. I I think I don't know. Tell him, Colt.
3: Get one. Well, you have to pay for the U.S. Amateur one. It's fourteen thousand dollars. You want to buy me one? Yeah. Seriously? yeah. seriously,
2: you have to pay for that?
1: Yeah. Oh come on. That's USG. crooked. USA. They're not making enough money off it's these amateurs' entry fees from the U.S. Open with these totally dudes true. that one hundred and fifty oh. out there, paying four hundred or whatever.
2: It it would be a little backwards if we don't have to pay for it, but the amateurs did. That would be very backwards.
1: Who's the totally one? Agree. Have you heard from anyone since you won that you were like shocked to hear from or that kind of blew your mind? Like congratulations, text, or phone call, or anything like that?
2: Well, uh, I have gotten some calls and <laughs> I texted him back. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't expect to get a call from Hale Irwin. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just didn't expect it. Um, I don't think I've ever met him in person. But I just people from Spain, there was uh the the most surprising one was uh, a football team from 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 La Liga from Spain. Who I have no affiliation to, and like I don't live there, I'm not a supporter of them, but they still send me a letter congratulating me. That was uh, unique. Uh, I don't know how to say this word. That, that the ex king of Spain, like the old king, I don't know the the exact word. Uh, he abdicated a couple of years ago. Uh, he called me in per- like personally, oh, wow. called me on the number on the phone, and, and that was kind of surprising. You know, I did not expect uh, a phone call like that. Usually, you get an official letter from a, from the a house, and but not not a phone call. So that was that was pretty unique.
3: And you mentioned Spain. I mean, I would have to imagine the reaction over there has been just unbelievable. I mean, you're the first ever Spaniard to win a U.S. Open. What's it been like? I mean, has the whole country just been going crazy since you won this?
2: I have no idea, but I can tell you, my mom was telling me. They they live in a small, little, somewhat secluded neighborhood. That's a private property. Technically, you can't just walk in there, but there's no fence or nothing. It's, you know, nobody can really tell you, right? And um, the next day, there was... uh, a tv camera crew which would be like like if tmz showed up at my parents house and they were ringing the doorbell trying to talk to them they didn't know they were here with me in spain yeah. so when they finally gave up they just started interviewing neighbors
1: just walking around the seriously. house seriously walking around the community someone pool, tell us about just, john
2: there's a pool and like people in their own neighborhood just just you know relaxing their own privacy and they came up and started asking questions
1: you'd think they would yeah. know they were at the U.S. but i mean they were on tv and all but that us. stuff by the way they know how to party a little bit too your parents were incredible potentially my, mvps of that party my
2: dad was enjoying it yeah uh, i mean obviously they, they, they were able to come here for a couple of weeks and and i end up winning the us open i mean of course they're going to celebrate
3: i mean how cool is that let's, let's get into a little bit of the golf because mm-hmm. it was an incredible leaderboard heading into sunday i mean it looked like there were so many guys that had a chance to win i believe at one point there was like 15 guys within two or three shots of the lead what was it like going into that sunday i mean you were three back did you feel like, hey, if I go out and play well, this is mine?
2: I had a lot of good vibes. Uh, all I can say is when I won a Tory a few years back, I was also three back on Sunday. So I was like, you know, it's just, the, you know, everything that had happened prior when I was playing, Father's Day, I just had a lot of good vibes going into that Sunday. So uh, I was definitely confident. But basically right after the first tee shot, just the way that swing felt and the ball flight and everything. When you start off with the ideal tee shot feeling and, and, and visual, you know, visualizing wise, I was like, okay, you know, today's a good day. Today's today's my day. And that's how I started. And, you know, that's how I played the whole day. I mean, I played one of the best rounds of golf I've ever played. And even the holes where you can say I was a little bit off, like three, four, and five, it wasn't like he was crazy off. Like like three was a good shot. I just missed just Justin win, and it was a foot off being great, four, same thing, both the driver and the second shot, and, and five was just, you know, I mean, the right place to miss. The, the only other place I could say that I really was a missed shot was nine. Nine would be the one that was, you know, uh, a bad swing. That was a, a huge break.
3: Yeah, that's what that was one of my questions was number nine. I mean, you hit that ball and you hit it way left over the fence. Did you immediately think it was out of bounds?
2: We couldn't tell. We didn't know. Um, so in, in our view, it was just like about four or five yards left of the bunker. It was nowhere near the OB, but it hit the tree and ricocheted left. So uh, we couldn't see that. We didn't see it land. That's why I hit a provisional because I was assuming that was an out-of-bounds fence. Like even on the farmers, I had never seen anybody go go left. So I was like, everybody goes way right, and and I think it's because we all think it's OB. And when I get there, and it's like, you know, it's uh, – uh what was the term? Uh, TIO. I was like, well – Mm. uh went through the possible drops and actually ended up you know getting really lucky of being able to drop it on uh basically on an area of dirt not even in the rough i could i could have hit three but if i you know if i felt like it it was really you know perfect life so the layup was a lot easier
1: your situation at the memorial got so much attention and so much media across the really the world honestly with the COVID stuff that happened and then you the way you handled that taking the high road not placing blame on anyone like that i think so many, I think you gained more fans by going through what you went through than you might have had, had you gone on to win that golf tournament. Did you notice like the fans? Cause I could kind of feel it just watching on television on Saturday, Sunday, that they were behind you. Did you get that sense when you were out there?
2: Yeah, there was definitely a before and after Memorial. Uh, definitely big difference. And it's probably the only time in my life where I think I've gotten more congratulations for my press conferences than my actual play. <laughs> and you know, uh, I, I really don't know what to, to explain about the whole situation. It's just when it happened, I was fully aware all week that that could happen. I, I knew that that was a possibility. So it, it's not like it caught me off guard. It's just the way I found out was too reminiscent of how I was told last year that I was going to get a stroke penalty. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of blindsided again a year later on the same hole, on the same tournament. Right. It's like, come on. Seriously. It's just it's that's what you hear me on TV say, like, oh, not again. Seriously. Yeah like can we learn from last year tell me in private
3: yeah you you handled it so well and I think please and I both know you pretty well we played some golf with you you can get a little fiery but you handled that situation so well like what was it because I mean you easily and I think if you would have lost your mind a little bit got a little angry no one would have blamed you because of the way they (laughs) they approached you and it came out of nowhere but you handled it so well it was very impressive what made like how did you how
2: did you do that well thank you um I think, listen, I get mad on the golf course, yes, but off the golf course, I'm not the same person, right? Like, yes, I'm Spanish, we're passionate people and all that, <laughs> but it's not like I'm angry all day, like some people choose to believe, like anything that happens, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm losing my mind. No, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm really, pretty, pretty relaxed when it's off the golf course, I just really care a lot about what I do. And at the moment, um, I think when I found out that I was, that I was positive, my, my, initial thought was well it sucks that I can't finish because I played arguably the best run of my life and I'm putting out a performance leading by six at Jack's place and it was could have been a record-breaking week right uh, especially after he changes the golf course trying to make it tougher it just felt nice to actually just <laughs> do that because I'm sure Jack wasn't happy that I was playing that good and
3: you think Jack might have had a hand in that positive test? He's going to rip that place up it, next right? year.
1: <laughs> I doubt it. Are you going to rip it back up next year, put <laughs> alligators in the fairways? So uh, when they tell me,
2: obviously at first I was mad. I'm, I'm frustrated. But then, you know, you can't help to think. I had two month old at home, a wife with asthma. Her mom has asthma. And my parents were coming in Monday. This was a Saturday. So I was like, my my priorities completely shifted, right? It's just like golf was secondary. I basically right away... I, I knew I had no argument. I knew I couldn't fight it. I knew there's nothing I could do to change it. So I was like, well, I'm going to choose to remember the fact that I'm 18 under the three rounds in this golf course. I'm going to choose to remember how good I've played and how good the new potter was working, which was a huge plus in that sense. And I'm going to forget about golf, act like the tournament ended today and move on. And my priority again, like I said, was, was Kelly and my family and making sure everybody was okay. And, um, once, Everybody was okay, negative test and all that, trying to get back home and isolated. Um, and that's all I could do. I mean, this just, you know, it's not like I could have made a case and, you know, maybe play in on Sunday. It was not going to happen. There's rules, there's COVID rules for a reason. We are, we are in a pandemic. So I just, you know, in a split second, I knew there's nothing I could do. And I basically accepted it. I was never resentful or blamed anybody. It's just... It is what it is period it could have happened to anybody it happened to me at that point and i was just so focused on getting healthy for the u.s open that and more than that to be able to see my parents and spend time with them i think the hardest thing out of all this is not being present when my parents met my son for the first time
1: yeah and i think that's why you gained so many John Rom fans that week that maybe were indifferent or whatever before mm-hmm. they saw the way you handled that and like i like this guy and i think that's why so many people were pulling for you at the us open but you mentioned like the power of positive thinking mm-hmm. at, after the U.S. Open. Is there something that sparked that? Was that the memorial or was that something else? Or like what kind of led to this like mental transformation, I guess, if you want to call it that?
2: No, I've always been very positive. But I think this case was a perfect example of shortly before a big event, something like this happens. And I've also mentioned from some of the biggest setbacks, you can have some of the biggest breakthroughs. Right. So, um, I mean, I say the power of positive thinking of just telling myself, you know, I'm okay, I'm positive, I have COVID, I'm not going to, I, you know, I'm hoping I'm not going to get too sick because I know it can get sideways very quick, and I was like, you know, let's let's stay positive, You're like, I'm going to play the Open, I'm going to be able to do well, you know, Kepa's going to be okay, Kelly's going to be okay, my parents are going to be okay, you know, it's all going to be okay, and, and I kept reminding myself that, and even at home, I never got too desperate, I was bored as heck in my bed because I couldn't do anything, but... I never got desperate. I always stay positive and I always did everything I could do to, you know, try to get the virus out of me. I was spending I don't know how much time in, in, uh, in the steam shower, just trying to sweat it out and trying to get things out of me. Like it's just, you would think I'm going through a detox or something. I mean, it was, it was unreal. The amount of hot showers I was taking, just trying to get things out of me. And I think that's, that was the key for my first negative was my swab, my PCR on Thursday afternoon. So literally, Five, six days six after days, I test yeah. positive, I got my first negative. And that was a huge thing because I'm like, well, if I get negative on the next one, I can actually go to the tournament early enough because if I had ten day, wait the 10 days, I would have been able only to arrive to San Diego on Tuesday afternoon. So just staying positive, uh, good things happen. So being able to hit balls a couple of days before even traveling helped. I played 18 holes with my parents. I hadn't played with both my, pa- both my parents in the same group in maybe 10 years so that was a great thing just for the soul itself just to play i played terrible but you know i had fun with them being able to get some workouts and then the u.s open week um it's almost crazy to think that because of everything that happened is like i had a i had an alibi i had an excuse you know if i played bad well i had
1: covid yeah whatever (laughs) yeah interesting
3: very very true yeah but i mean i've never seen you so calm on the golf course especially with having a chance to win like The back nine, I mean, it just looked like nothing was going to bother you. You're playing beautiful, beautiful golf. Were you looking at the leaderboards at all and knowing where you stood coming down the stretch?
2: So I I didn't want to look until the back nine. But like Drew said, there was so many people pulling for me that week that everybody was telling me where I was standing. Like, obviously, I know when I birdie one and two that I'm one back because they haven't even teed off yet. Right. So I know I'm one back in that sense. But then, you know, after everything, I make my par on five. Hey. You know, this don't this is this, this happen. You're one back, and I'm like, thanks. I don't want to know. Just... Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, and it was I think on nine, after the break, when you know I knew Bryson had birdied eight. I knew he was a five under. I'm like, he's gonna birdie nine, because for him it's it's reachable, unlike the rest of us. So that's when I chose to actually start looking. It was on nine when I made the birdie. I looked. I knew Bryson was a five. I looked back. I knew he was laying up, and I saw his shot into the green. I, I saw he had the twelve footer. So I was like, you know what? Game on, I'm one back. I was like, if I can make it through 13 even par, um, this is it's a good score. It's tough to make it even par through those four holes, uh, and I'm including 13 because when you have a 610 yard par five with that rough and that pin location, apart is good.
1: Yeah, a lot of people yeah. lost it right there. A lot of people didn't oh, yeah. get didn't get through that stretch, and that's where it weeded into you know you and Louie coming down the stretch, and then 17, 18, obviously where that's where all the fireworks happen. Looking back on it now, is there one shot during that two hole stretch that got your nerves up more than any other shot during that stretch? Well, the one I, I was the feeling most, it the most.
2: Uh, bunker shot in 17.
1: And from the fairway? Yeah, yeah, yeah just with the because, lip right there?
2: Yeah, it's it's a gap wedge, and, you know, if it was an 8-iron, I'd be less concerned. It's not the lip itself, but with an 8-iron, with the cavities, at least you can actually somewhat miss hit it and still maybe get it on the green. With a gap wedge, the difference of being... 20 yards, so 20 yards long, 20 yards short of the pin is not that big on the yeah. swing. So that was the key, especially because it was that downwind, right? I'm like, if I thin it and it just goes with the way it's going to go long, I'm screwed. If I chunk it, it's not the easiest up and down. So that's the one I was the most nervous about.
0: Did
3: you even pay attention? I don't know if you noticed, but I'm sure you had to see it. But there was a ton of grass from like somebody's divot right behind your ball.
2: Oh, I know. We we, we could see In the it. the fun- we could see it off the tee, and I told Adam, dude, is that grass? Like, can we, what's going on? Can I move it? And he, I was literally about, what, this far past it? Yeah. And we know who yeah. it was. I'm not going to say who it was, but we know who it was. Poor
3: caddy. Poor Someone, caddy etiquette there. Yes, as that a was. former
1: caddy on the PGA Tour, that's Bush League. Bush League. Hey,
2: <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's a good friend of mine. It's a, it's a very likable player, I, I and I know, we know who it was. <laughs> And it's unlike very unlike his caddy to do something like that. Very unlike him.
1: Well the fact that it played out the way it did makes that a little easier for him to swallow. If it had been sitting right there in the divot, he might've been like, Oh my god, I just changed history. Well I golf.
2: know I know you can move the grass, but I would have to be really careful.
1: That'd so, be tricky. Yeah. yeah, with all that.
2: Now that would have been I, I don't know if I would have been able to hit it inside thirty five feet if I have to hit it from the grass. So I don't know.
1: Well then you so go you, to,
3: you mentioned you hit a great gap you, you hit a great gap wedge and then you have this putt on seventeen that breaks four or five feet downhill left to right more more than no yeah okay more i mean you can take us through it better than better than we can i was just on my couch watching it but i mean what was the heart rate like what were the emotions like when you saw that ball starting to break towards the hole
2: well um obviously i'm very concerned about the speed right it's like yeah i can get away like i'm still at four on there i can still par birdie and give myself a chance to win because louis was still on 13 or 12 right i mean it's just, and I wasn't hearing any roars behind me. So I'm like, well, they're not really going for birdies back here, right? So I knew I had a chance. And th- the main thing was speed, right? I mean, um, but the one thing I can say is the more I got into the routine, the more I let the the little kid in me hit that putt. And I just did like I did when I was a little kid. I basically see the entry point on the hole and I kind of backtrack from there, and I kind of visualize the line and the high point, right, the, the high point of the arc, and that's where I aim, where, you know, the highest point of the putt. And then I just see those last, last six feet of putt go in, and, and then I just feel it, right? That's that, That's what I've always done. That's what I do. And I actually like hitting putts with that much break. I actually kind of enjoy it because that's what I grew up in. I grew up in pointer greens, and none of those greens you can have a straight putt. Most of the time it's going to be a uh, heartbreaker. So it's something I'm familiar with. Uh, and, yeah, I mean – not like I was expecting to make it or anything like that, but when I hit it and that ball hits the apex, I was like, oh man, that actually looks good. And you never know in point of greens, you can hit the, the slightest imperfection and maybe it doesn't go in, but that ball you know, had a good roll go in, it kind of stuck to the ground and, and kept going and going and going. And I didn't let myself believe that I was going in until there's like two feet left. And you know, that's kind of when I start raising the putter or like feeling it, it's a very late reaction. I'm like 18. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And then you go to the 18 tee and you got to hit that. I mean, more or less, you got to hit that fairway to have a chance to go forward into I didn't see anybody reaching mm-hmm. that thing, especially where that pin was going for it from the rough. How hard was it to get yourself calm after all that and the uppercut and everything? How hard was it to get your heart rate back down to settle in and hit that shot, that tee ball on 18?
2: Yeah, not that bad. Uh, the guys mm-hmm. in front were still on the fairway. So we waited a little bit and it's a tee shot. I hit good all week. Uh, it's, it's a tee shot that really fits me. I mean, it's, it's, straight left to right wing to a fairway that slopes right to left. I'm like, for a fader of the golf ball, especially with how good I hit hit it that day, I basically aimed down the left half of the fairway, kind of took a little bit of a step left and swung as hard as I could, fully knowing that if I miss hit it, I'm going to be in the right bunker, and I still can go for the green from that right bunker. I still have a chance, there's a play, and I basically just let it go. I went as hard as I could.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, it was a thing of beauty. And I got to ask you, because I believe you get four iron for your second shot, correct? Yeah. I mean, for most of us mere mortals, that's really not ideal with with anything on the line, but, you know, water in play, mm-hmm. you know, missing it right's not the greatest thing. And in my mind, when I watched you make that golf swing, like that was one of the purest strikes I've ever heard, heard you had. It just looked like you just pushed it just a hair. That was but, the best I mean, did, swing. Did you over. absolutely, push? that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah
2: so, it's crazy because all week I hit good tee shots, and I end- that fairway kind of has a dip, and yeah, then he goes to it. a downhill, right? And all week I'd been standing on that downhill with no chance of hitting really that front part of the green all week, which, I mean, I'm in the fairway, right? I'm not going to complain. But just that day, that ball stayed enough on the upslope where I didn't have to worry about height. So I'm like, perfect. And the wind's whipping pretty hard left to right, but the, the trees and the grandstands kind of block you a little bit, so you can't feel the true strength of it. So if you see the shot, you have the pin, and then you have the two TV cameras on the left. So I'm playing a straight shot at the TV cameras. And it was about as flush as I could hit it. That thing starts at the TV cameras, fades about two yards, and hits the apex. And I'm looking at it like, well, this is going to fall pretty much straight down right on the pin. I'm going to have 20 feet for eagle. And it just keeps drifting and drifting and drifting. And then, you know, I mean, it was still very little just right off the grain. It was a really, really good shot. It's just the wind just got it a little bit more than... Than he, than I thought he was going to for how good I hit it, but again, I mean, it's just I mean, sea level, that thick marine layer, it happens.
1: And then yeah, it was a really good shot that ends up getting not a great bounce, in my opinion, works to the like little bit of a downslope on that mm-hmm. on that third shot that you have. Not the greatest lie of all time. You got up there and you hit that bunker shot out to the right pretty quickly. Did it ever enter your mind to go at that? Would you have even done that? Is it just impossible? Or was like Thursday morning? Would you have tried to go at that flag or no? Nah, it's uh, no chance. Yeah.
2: The only chance I had to keep it on the green was hitting the pin if I go at it or landing it just off the bunker, which it's an unnecessary risk when I'm tied for the open, especially knowing that Louis had, at that point, I think it was on 14. So, like, he still has to go through 15, 16, and 17. Right, So, it's like, I mean, this it, it, I just had to give myself a chance. That was it. And I was feeling confident. I mean, I've been putting good all week. It's not like you're going to make good long putts on, at Torrey Pines, but if you see all my putts on the back nine, I mean, I'm burning edges all day. So, um uh, Again, I I chunked it slightly of the bunker, so it landed more on the downslope, and it didn't get as quite as far as far up the slope as I wanted to, because that would have rolled back down maybe a couple more feet and given me a less of a breaker or less of a downhill putt. But still, I mean, we're talking yeah three feet. It's not like I had much of a choice.
3: But I mean, and then you have this putt to you know post six under par, and you have a little bit of a history on this green. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, one that. You know, I'm, I'm very happy for you, but the first time you made one there, it kind of pained me a little bit because I knew my pocket was about to get a little lighter, um, <laughs> but that's a story for, for another day. But take us through the, the birdie putt on 18 because it's – in my mind, I mean, it didn't break near as much as 17, mm-hmm. but it kind of was nice that it had the same same shape, though, left to right and about the same distance.
2: It was a smaller version, yeah, just slightly smaller version. Very similar putt, though. I mean, I think I aimed that one maybe two to three feet left. The other one was more like five, six, maybe seven. Uh I, don't really remember um, exactly, right? Couldn't tell you. But same thing, just less break. Very, very similar. And I can tell you on this one, as soon as I hit it, as soon as I hit it, before I look up, it felt so good. I'm like, that's it. That's why when I start seeing trade, and I like, wow. look up and I see that ball rolling, exactly what I visualize. I mean, the day ended the way it started with the most... Basically, the most visualized shot, the closest to the visualization that I've ever had in my life in two shots in a tournament like that. And usually, you're lucky if you hit one, right? I mean, I had that second one, and uh, yeah, I mean, 10 feet left. You can see I'm like slowly kind of mm-hmm. believing, like, oh my God, it's coming in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that one, I, that one definitely, as soon as I hit it, Thought it was in.
1: Took that hard right turn. And you didn't know what Louie was doing at the time. But in your mind, as you're standing over that putt, do you think this is to win the U.S. Open? This is to give me a playoff at the U.S. <laughs> Open? What What are you like? Was there either of those going through your mind? Like this is Obviously, either to win or to get in a playoff?
2: I don't know why, but that, that day I was thinking more in numbers. Um, so when we got a 14 and I missed that short putt on 14, which was actually a good roll. It's just kind of got a little bit of a bump. I told Adam, um, two fours, two threes, we win the tournament. Simple as that. 15, 16, 17, 18, right? Doesn't matter the order. I couldn't care any less. Just two fours, two threes. And, yeah, I mean, I made four on on 15, three on 16, and three on 17. So, uh, honestly, I was just thinking on six under. I wasn't thinking names. I don't think I ever thought about names. I was just trying to get to five under. Once I got to five, let's get to six under. And that's all I was thinking. I thought six was a really good number because Louis had been basically defending the lead most of the day or most of the last couple hours. And he was about to find himself one back. So that's a tough switch to change right on the spot, especially in a U.S. Open, when you can get a little tight because of the fairways. So uh, I was just thinking numbers.
3: And I mean, you had an incredible reaction. The fist pump, the crowd was going nuts. Looking back at it, which reaction do you like better? Your one at the U.S. Open or your first win in 2017? Because both were epic.
2: It's different. I mean, they're very different. that pot I made on the farmers was unexpected like you're trying to make it yes but I was trying to hit it as close as possible to the hole and I think it was more of a surprise reaction in that sense and two pods would have been enough uh I like this one better is because I had you know I had to make it to give myself the best chance possible right and it's a makeable pod and I don't know it's also a. us open so yeah I mean I would say this one was a little bit bigger
1: and then you go to the range getting ready for a playoff. You don't know if you're going to be in one or not. Where were you? What were you doing? And what did you think when you found out Louis drove it into the penalty area on 17? So,
2: uh, our good friend Jason Gore actually took me into the uh. USGA the little headquarters they had. And he took me in there. And at first, he took me into, the, uh, into his office where cameras couldn't get to me for a little bit because I just needed five minutes to try to calm down. And I watched Louis play 15 and 16 or 16 hit it on the green. I went to the bathroom and then it's when I stayed out and, and the cameras were on me. So there was a five minute, gap, yeah, maybe a little bit more where you couldn't see me it was because of that. I just needed five seconds for myself, drink some water. And then, uh, yeah, I was from that little headquarters um, and I watched pretty much 17 tee shot. I saw he went in the water before I went to the range. But you know he was so far up there that I knew he could still hit a close and make a par, right? So again, Louis also had just made eagle the day before on 18, so I'm like, it's just, it's still a possibility. You always have to stay ready. Plus, the last two times I posted a lead, somebody came in from behind and birdied 18 to type me and have to go into a playoff. And I've won both of the times because I stayed ready for a playoff. So I just basically mentally stay ready the whole time. And um, on the range, Adam was trying to have it on the phone, but it wasn't really working. It was delayed. Uh, we did see the putt miss. So basically, um, I don't know who it was. I think everybody related to the to the broadcast was basically telling us what was going on. But uh, I didn't see the shots on eighteen. I just heard it.
3: Did did the wait just feel like it was forever? Like, are, <laughs> come on, Louis, hurry up! Get, oh, let's get this thing going.
2: I hated it. I mean, I don't mind being on the thick of things and have those nerves and those butterflies. That's fun. But it's. I think the waiting. It's more of a state of panic. Um, it's complete, just like unsettling because there's nothing I can do. And you're there watching and you don't want to watch. It's just, it feels like it's forever. I mean, it felt eternal. It was not fun, not enjoyable. But uh, at the end, yeah, it was really fun, obviously.
1: <laughs> then you had Phil over there chatting up Kelly the whole damn time over there, getting very comfortable with Kelly. I didn't even see that. I can <laughs> tell you, I, I had no idea that was going on. Oh, really? Yeah, he yeah. grabbed her a chair, brought it down there. It was a true gentleman, Phil.
2: Well, I can, only, I can, only, I can tell you, as much as I was nervous, he was probably way worse. Oh, yeah. And so were my parents
1: without question
2: yeah because i bet my dad was in the brink of cardiac arrest every shot on the back nine especially when i wasn't playing watching louis so uh yeah i mean phil was a gentleman i mean kelly had never been in that situation before so she asked him what she should do if she stand behind besides me or not and and ben and phil was really nice about you know getting the chairs making her keeping conversation so she forgets about it and just telling her what to do and it was slowly right. Once Louis was getting close to hitting his layup, they started walking down the fairway. Because I feel like Phil knew he's not going to hold that shot out. I mean, you couldn't spin it back because he was so yeah. close. He had to land in just short of the pin. And it's like, he it's tough to hold it out. But you know, in my mind, I'm like, he could still hold it out. And they slowly started coming up. And uh, when I saw her, it was like five, ten seconds later when they told us that you know he had missed it. Plus, we heard a little bit of cheer. But you never know what's going on. It could have been Mackenzie Hughes hitting a good shot, right? So you don't know.
3: What was that moment? I mean, once you found out it was official, though, what was that moment like? I mean, you obviously have Kelly and Keppa there and then Phil as well. That had to be just one of the most special moments of your life.
2: I saw the images, the the, the, the replay, and there's a bit of like a five-second where I freeze, where they tell me it's over, and I freeze, and I'm like, I couldn't process it because I, I just couldn't believe it, right? I think I thought what everybody thought is like, cannot believe that where I was three weeks ago or two weeks and a little bit to this point, what's ha- what's happened, and the fact that I went at Torrey Pines and Father's Day and everything that that happened those few weeks uh, coming in together, I just couldn't believe how much of a fairy tale ending we had, and and yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty incredible,
1: dude. It legit was like a fairy tale in the way with mm-hmm. what happened at Memorial. Then you coming in Father's Day, Kepa's there your wife's there, your parents are in for the first time you mm-hmm. haven't seen them in forever. You may win 10 plus more majors in your career. Is there like legitimately is there any way to top this one? I mean, I, I what it. else do you, what else could possibly be involved for this Oh, that one was better than Tory. I doubt it. I
2: is not normal and not to toot my own horn and everything, but when toot you it. see two birdies in 16 and eight, 17 and 18 to win a US Open. Yeah. It, it just doesn't happen. I know Jack dated at Pebble, but he had a three, four-shot lead. Uh, Tom Watson did in a pebble as well, and he had a one-shot lead. I don't know if it's happened many times before where somebody comes in from behind and birdies the last two holes. It, it, it just doesn't usually happen. You don't usually see it. You might, you've might you seen it at Augusta. Uh, a couple of people have done. I think it was Marco Mira. Uh, I remember Arnold Palmer doing it as well. Um, it can happen in other events. It just doesn't usually happen in the open. Phil did it at the, at the Open Championship in Muirfield. Uh, but now you don't see a U.S. Open, right? Typically, it's not a place where you're going to make birdies down the stretch. It's kind of like a bogey that might save you uh, or, or hurt you, right? So it's, I think it's going to be hard to beat everything combined, especially the fact that it was at Torrey Pines, which is our it's favorite your, place. It's Earth. your spot. Yeah, it's our spot. Yeah. It was Tiger's spot. Now it's your <laughs> spot. You've taken over. It's no longer. <laughs> no, no, not, That's Rom's like, territory. I'm six wins behind. I don't think it's going to be mine. for. <laughs> that,
1: you can that, co- right.
2: co-share.
3: That shows me, it's like your golf IQ is so high. Like you, you know the game. And one of the coolest moments I thought was in one of your press conferences, you said how you remembered Lee Westwood's butt dying off and breaking hard at the right there on 18. Like you pay attention, you study oh, yeah. the game. I think that's so cool. Cause a lot of guys, you know, they try to be cool and be like, oh, when I'm not playing, I
2: don't watch golf. But you're not like hmm. that. I've only heard one, one who, guy say that. Who are you years.
1: talking about, Colt? Who's too cool for golf, Jordan bro? Jordan
2: Spieth said it the other day.
1: Oh, no, that wasn't the name of. was oh, expecting. Oh, come on. I remember right, him, never mind. No, I remember him <laughs>
2: telling me to watch what I did in Ireland when I won for the first time in Ireland. So, come on. It's not like... Yeah, he's watching. I, I mean, maybe not as much as I do because I just love the game. I absolutely love it. Like, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch a playoff the other day, that a whole playoff. I'll be watching. I'll watch the whole Sunday, the whole broadcast of every single day. I just love it. And especially kind of flashbacks if we go into a tournament where I haven't played before. I did it in college kind of like, you know, that's the thing of, man, I want to be there someday and I want to... You know, learn from those guys. I've seen tigers find around round at Pebble in 2000, 30,000 times. <laughs> I mean, I I I've seen so many of them so many times, and I just apparently. And it's also a tool of what you had. And I had watched the broadcast of Sunday of the U.S. Open at Torrey because the course hadn't changed since then. I think they only added the T box on 13 on the back and the T box on 15. The greens were exactly the same, so you can actually get a bit of a sense if there's a common theme on people on certain greens, you can actually get an idea of how to play certain things. Maybe strategy, not really, because I'm comfortable at Tori. I'm pretty much going to hit driver everywhere. But uh, around the greens, you can get an idea. And that's something that stuck with me, you know. Um, Tiger also said once that his spot took a lot longer for, for it to break than he thought. And it's because that green at the end kind of faces, from my angle, faces towards the back. So that's why his putt didn't really break that much towards the water because it's a little bit more towards the back of the green right there, more than it looks. And that's why Lee's completely died off to the end. So uh, I knew that if I hit it with perfect speed, it was going to come in sideways at the end. And if you see, the putt has a little bit of pace to it. So I wanted to have, you know, one to two foot past speed just so that wouldn't happen. I don't know. That's just something I remembered. It's not that I'm thinking about it on the moment, but afterwards I'm like, Oh, yeah, I like I remember kind of visualizing it because I saw Leeds. It's kind of weird. And when
1: they show highlights of the U.S. Open and Tory Pines 50 years from now, you're <laughs> going to be right next to Tiger Woods and his putt in 08 and yours this year. It's but a
2: little bit different. We need to birdie it to win, to, to go into a playoff. You have a broken knee. I mean, that's always going to be more special. Just that's because a of the hard one to top, but
1: it's still going to be right there. But now that you've won one, did it take you longer or shorter than expected to get your first major? Or right in line with what you thought?
2: I mean, I'm not going to put guidelines or... or I would say as a, I mean, as a perfectionist and I am longer, I wish it would have been earlier. I mean, trust me. it's uh, If one thing that happens in golf when you've played at a high quality, you've know, played a high quality game or you know, tournament for two, three, four years is that you get put on that best player to never win a major list yeah. very, very, very quick. And I'm like, guys, it's been five years since I played my first US Open. 20 majors. It's like, are you supposed to win a major always that quickly? Just because there's like four guys that did it, right? I mean, I know JT won early, uh, Spieth won early, Tiger obviously won really early. But then you have many cases where somebody like Tom Kite he won in his 40s for the first time. It's just Phil, Phil. Sergio. I yeah. mean, Ben Hogan didn't win his first till he was in his 30s and then won nine, right? It's just there's so many cases where it's it just doesn't happen when you do it that early. And not that I was I would say it's earlier or later, but it was at the right time.
3: It's it's so cool everything that's happened but I got to ask
2: what's been the best moment with the trophy off the golf course? <laughs> uh I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Like you mean I mean uh
3: I mean did you have, have you had
1: your cereal out of it? I mean
2: no, you put your I didn't. I saw you I do, trying to
1: stuff Keppa in there. <laughs> I tried.
2: But if you open the, when, if you screw the top, there's like two little things that come out yeah. that are pretty pointy. And I was like, I'm not going to try to get him in there and hurt him. He, I mean, he's, for his age, he's extremely tall. So like his feet are touching the bottom. Like, he doesn't he's really. He's big. Fit.
1: He's a big, what's it, how many months now? What, three? three? Yeah. Three. Dude, he's yeah. big and he's damn near standing up already. I was holding him with herman which by the way it's terrifying you let ben herman hold your baby but i was like this kid's ready to go there's, there's
2: one baby holding another baby it's good okay. point good point yeah
1: not... <laughs> <laughs> he looks uh, he's the
2: happiest person on earth when he's holding that baby oh dude mom. he's
1: giddy when he's holding that yeah
2: kid. he does he, he likes to stand like push his legs and, and try to stand he's he doesn't know how to control his feet so they kind of go all over the place but he tries to
1: he's already the betting favorite for the 2040 u.s open back at torrey <laughs> pines from what i'm told <laughs> He's, or he'll be an Olympian. Well, in golf or in other sports Whatever the he's hell he wants. The, yeah. the the genetics he's gonna have his pick of the litter out. Oh, I do
2: have a video coming in mind. It's a wine I was gifted by a friend. Oh heck, people probably saw it. Phil was probably seen holding a bottle of wine, waiting with Kelly, right? Like, he was willing holding a bottle of wine. And it was really nice wine that he gave me, did not expect it. So uh I got permission for him. Because I know all the wine drinkers of the world are gonna be so mad at me for doing this, but I will. I'm gonna decant it in there, and we're gonna drink it out of that. What is and it? And it's gonna be me and Kelly. I'm not gonna say what it is. Oh. for the video. But it's we probably
1: wouldn't even know. But it's
2: no, you know it. You know the brand. It's known. It's just not.
1: If it's from Phil. Yeah, it's probably pretty nice.
2: Yeah, it is very nice. nice. It is very nice. I've never had it.
1: Are you at all concerned, John, that you'll never win big golf tournaments or be world number one unless you learn how to control your emotions? <laughs> Until you get that, dude, you're not going to win shit. Uh, well, n- n- no. You get those questions all the time still. I saw you got one at the U.S. Open. I was like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Guy hasn't dude. done anything in freaking years. Like, how long are you going to hold on to something?
2: Listen, I-, I think it's a fair question. It's been a fair question for a long time. Especially, <laughs> it's a fair question given the fact of how much camera I was in Memorial and in the, in the U.S. Open. There was a different demeanor to me on the golf course. And I think that's also what attracted all these people. Um, in the past, I have probably not behaved my best in the golf course. There's been times when my emotions have gotten the best of me. But for 99% of my career, getting angry has helped me. And that's what people don't realize. If you see me on the 11th tee box on that Sunday of Torrey Pines in 2017, after my putt basically one on 10 for birdie, I am losing my freaking mind. <laughs> I am so pissed, and that's when I look at Adam, we're three back, and I'm like, I'm fired at every single pin. Don't care what you say. I'm going to win this thing. And I go to the back right pin on 11. I hit it great. Hit it to 10 feet, make birdie. Hit a great shot on, great shot on 12. Almost make birdie. Eagle 13, eagle 18, right? So it's like it helped me in that sense. Sometimes it kind of gives you, like an, it gives. it's given me an extra gear so many times. Happened at Olympia Fields, too. After I got the stupid ass penalty for picking up my ball for whatever reason. Yep, that
1: was strange. I basically,
2: bizarre. I laughed it off and I told Adam, you know what? We're going to win this thing because I'm sorry. This is just, I got mad and and ended up winning it, right? There's been many occasions where I have, but at the same time, there's been some where I haven't. And look, in retrospect, looking back on it, I don't think I would have really won a major or had a better chance um, had I kept going the way I had. Because it's easy in regular events, but when you're magnified in a major and everything matters more, I was always really aware. And there was a lot of times when I had par puts that I would just be trying so hard to make it just because I wanted it so bad. And it's not always the negative emotions. I had to control the, the wanting to win it so bad uh, that I think is what changed, right? I've spoken of truly what happened, and everything changed after the third round of the PGA. I finished bogey-bogey. And I'll be fully honest here on everything. I'm mad because I'm really just shot myself out the tournament, right? And I look over and it feels like 10 on there. I'm like, well, this is over. And I get to the press conference and I'm like, they're asking me a question. The usual question. Well, tell us how today went. And I'm like, haven't you freaking been watching for the last four hours? <laughs> I'm not happy, right? I played great golf and I finished bogey, bogey. I'm pissed. I don't want to talk to you about what happened because I'm mad. And that's when I said, to, to be honest, I don't want to be here. And meaning, I didn't want to be at the press conference because it's just I knew what question was coming, and it made me mad. And I didn't handle that my best. And you know, it's a little embarrassed. I get home and I look at Keppa, and I'm like, I'm aware that I've been a role model in the past to people, but not in a direct way like this. I look at my son, who's two months old, and is smiling and playing with me, and I'm looking at him like, to this guy, it doesn't matter if I win 15 majors, 17, 65. Or saying it badly, I shit the bed the next weeks of my life. He truly doesn't care. And and I was like, you know, but what I can do is be a good role model for him. He's going to learn from what I do. He's going to see what I do and try to copy me. He will learn from me. So I can't try to be, I have to try to be the best role model possible for my son. And I didn't tell anybody this. I don't think anybody knew. I made a deal with myself. And that next day I went to the golf course, started playing, and... I was feeling the exact same way, but game-wise. But for whatever reason, mistakes just kind of just float through me like nothing had happened. Like I remember on one, I hit a great tee shot. I hit a great wedge shot that lands next to the pin and goes long, and I struggle for par. And I look at my caddy and I'm like, man, that was a great wedge shot. When in the past, I probably would have complained and tried to blame somebody else, right? Um, And I don't know. It's just... I think all this seven years of work I've done with my mental coach, trying to get ready and try to improve, which is, you know, there was steady improvements. There's always setbacks. But I think I had one of those moments of realization just by looking at my son and uh, I feel like everything that I learned kind of clicked. And after that, the golf I have played has been unbelievable. Now, with that said, I remember that question I got asked after the third round of the U.S. Open because I shoot one over. Yeah. And the question is, well, how close were you to losing it out there, John? I'm like, seriously, did I look like I was about to lose it at any point? Like in the past, probably. And I'll give it to you. I've probably lost it in majors and I've lost majors because of it, being fully honest. But those are things that had to happen for for me to get to where I am right now, right? But like they asked me that question. They asked me the same thing at Augusta. Like I'm coming in with a practicing after the birth of my son. And I hit a tee shot or nine after three putt in eight. Right. Three-putted for bogey in a par five after a good tee shot. I wasn't happy. And uh, I hit it on nine, and I'm fading a little bit too much. It's going towards the right trace. And I'm like, man, hit it, win, hit it, win, get lucky. And after the round, they're like, hey, man, you know, you got mad over there on nine? I'm like, <laughs> I got mad? Yeah. What do you mean I got mad? Like And in, in, in that round, Saturday round, I was like, man, I was not happy with my swing, but I was never losing it. I mean, got it to you. It's to hard golf course. And I, I do also think it's fair for them to ask the question, They need to write, they need to try to sell, and sometimes some media can be really quick to just make a thing your thing, right? Like mine is getting mad, Phil is hitting bombs and doing crazy things, right? Others might be another thing, and and that's what they talk about. Why else would they always talk about Bryson every single day about him hitting drivers, right? It's just the one thing they categorize you on, and that's what they're going to talk about. And I'm always going to get that question, and there'll be better days and there'll be worse days, but I definitely saw a shift from that PGA. And if you see the competitive rounds I've played that Sunday of the PGA till Sunday of the U S open, there were some pretty good rounds of golf. Cause I mean, it, none of those courses were easy. None of the conditions were easy and I've been able to, to play really good in all of those. So um, that's a little story, you know? Yeah. They say in Spain that a baby comes with uh they say bread under their arm, like a little, like some like a present under their arm. And for me, it's not the U S open. It's, I believe the sense of presence and priority. Like, I don't know. It just happened to where if something happens, something that might have bothered me in the past, I'm like, eh. Yeah. Like it's it's his the priority. As long as he's okay, I couldn't care any less. It's like whatever.
1: The biggest perspective yeah. changer you can have on the planet, there without you. question, without question.
3: Well, John, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, that's so cool to hear. I know we're so proud of you um, here at Golf far. You've been great with us. But when are we going to see you again? What's next? When you team it up?
2: So I'm leaving soon couple days going to Scotland, so I'm going to tee it up in Scotland, play the Open afterwards, and then the Olympics. And uh, I've chosen to not go to Memphis, most likely not going to go to Memphis, because I feel like it's a lot of flying. Uh, luckily, I'm high enough in the FedEx Cup to where I don't have to stress about being up there, come to the playoffs. So uh, I'm going to take those two weeks off before the playoffs, because then we have playoffs, Ryder Cup, I'm defending in Spain. And you I know, have quite a bit going on in the fall as well, so uh, I'm going to take that week off, plus... I'm not going to lie being at a hundred and humid like it is in Memphis. it just, this doesn't sound good.
1: <laughs> I don't blame you in the least and you got the open championship coming up back to back ain't cheating, dude, back to back ain't cheating. You go get that, go get two we'll try. in a row, brother. We'll
2: try. Yeah. We'll be rooting for you. You know, for people it's, it's a little, I have a little bit of a history with that too. The first ever tournament I played in the UK was Royal St. George's. So the first ever golf swings I made, I think I was 14 on the Lynx golf course was, uh oh. with Royal St George's, Royal St. Port's and and Prince and Princess, I think it is the other golf course around there where so uh you know, it's a very yeah. very you know, very different golfer than I was twelve years ago. But uh, you know, a little bit of a vibe going on there. I'm uh, you know, hopefully looking for some redemption from that tournament and playing a little bit better.
1: A little history, a little good vibes. Well, yeah, exactly. best of luck to you, dude. We appreciate you so much for coming on, man. Congratulations! Don't puke in the trophy, or do? Who cares? No, but, God, no, God. No. God, th- God thank no. you so much for coming on. I know you're in high demand right now, so we appreciate you coming on. Subpar, three-time mm. guest, brother. Appreciate you. I'm man.
2: always gonna prioritize you guys. Come on, man. It's you're the best. Friends. That's why we love ah. you.
1: Love, <laughs> love it, love it. John Rahm, your U.S. Open champion.
0: All right. Well, that was our guy John Rom, the U.S. Open Champ sleez. I was very jealous I didn't get to be there in studio with you, John, and the trophy.
1: The trophy was there, trophy was looking good. I was shocked that they hadn't like, you know, you watch the, the open championship and they got the claret jug and they're they're etching it in there as the guys winning. I thought that once you took the property or the trophy off property, it would have your name on it. But uh, John's not on there yet. You got to send it in and get it. But I mean, dude, holding that trophy like you've been able to do as well it's really cool just like think of all the freaking talent that's been on that trophy and then just the one night that i've hung out with it i'm like god they, there needs to be a documentary that like follows around these major championship trophies and just li- like shows the life of the trophy because it's going to go through some wild wild shit over its time
0: yeah and you mentioned the engraving part even when i won the u.s amateur like you're responsible for getting it engraved they don't have somebody oh, really? good.
1: So I'm like, I could just put like "Slap Dick 2007" on there, or <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, make it make it size 28 font, yeah. ten times bigger than everyone else's. Drew's still, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I just thought Weird. they would have done it like the like the cleric jug or whatever. But um, his will be on there, and um, like I said, that trophy, that thing has to go through hell. There's got to be a lot of in, some insurance on that thing because I mean, everyone that touches it, it's like the highlight of their year to you know party with it.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm very interested to hear if he has to pay for it. I thought Jeff Ogilvy told me it's, like, nine grand and they just kind of take it out of your check. But I need to know that if, if the U.S. Open champ gets one for free and the U.S. Amateur champion has to pay for one when you don't make any money for it,
1: it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and just – can we just not make you pay for trophies at all? If you win a USGA event, can you not just throw that in, like, the entry fee or something? I mean, the guy just won $2.25 million. Maybe you chunk him the – I mean, you know, the – Lakers don't win the NBA title, and then you win the MVP, and they're like ah, oh, it's gonna be 15 grand, LeBron. Yeah. Sorry about the MVP trope. I mean, what are we doing? Give it to him for free. Man, so
0: cool. Our first major championship for golf so far. Love having John on. He is just Best. Been a, a fantastic interview. You know, one of the most open guys out there, and always enjoy sitting down with him. And look out for him at the Open Championship next week. Might just go back to back. Be interesting to see if the Arizona State Sun Devils can keep this little trend up. They won back to back majors. Maybe Paul Casey slides in there and keeps it going.
1: They're thumping, yeah. PC right now. I mean, he ain't too far off in any of these things, so he's got a chance too. But yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't bet against John Rahm right now. He's feeling himself in a, a, as he should. The golf game is noise right now, so I mean, it's going to be fun to watch over there uh, across the pond.
0: All right, well, let's get to the gambling part of the show. We've got the John Deere Classic this week. Not the strongest field in the world week before the british open only four of the top 50 in the world um last week you went with the heavy favorite bryson dechambeau and obviously we know what happened with the caddy situation absolute disaster missed the cut i had a decent week with jason to cocrack for the tie for 12th very disappointing back nine um should have made a lot more money but you know what it is what it is i know i made up a little bit of ground producer mark how those standings looking now
3: yeah Cole, you made a Made a dent this week, not a big one, but you're down below a million. The lead has shrunk to $873,719. All
0: right, so very, very doable. Um, time. And the purse is bigger this year at John Deere. It's $6.2 million. Where in the past, it's been around $4 million, So a chance to make up some ground. I have the honor. And like I said, only four of the top 50 in the world there. So kind of slim pickings, but I'm going with the guy who's won here um has played not nine, nine events since the players He's played nine events he has eight top 20s and one missed cut and that was at the at the pga championship seems to just be up there every single week brian harman the little bulldog
1: yeah the little bulldog he just seems to not be doing anything wrong just drives it straight hits it on the green makes a lot of putts. occasionally misses It just it seems to be over and over right now he's in a very nice form I like that pick and from a, you, and
0: a future guest of golf so far
1: and an upcoming guest. That is correct. A big, big year for him right now. A lot of good shit going Dude. on for Brian Harmon, man. Massive. Well, I was going to go Colt with our guy, Boogie Knight, Boogie Knight, Daniel Berger as the betting favorite, but he hasn't played in so long. And I went, I bet the betting favorite last week and it went to shits on me. So I'm going a little bit down the list. The guy that I'm shocked, Colt, I haven't picked yet this year. Cause I love them for a long time. Uh, but I've been just holding off on him. But I'm going Sung J M sixteen to one. He's the third betting favorite. Finished eighth at the Rocket Mortgage. He's just a guy that really never doesn't play golf and doesn't play golf well. He plays so many events and seems to hit it well all the time. So I gotta think he's gonna have a pretty good week this week in um, at the John Deere. So I'll go. I'll go Sung J. Try to bring this thing home.
0: Yeah, you you really went way down the list. to whole two more. All spots. the way to
1: third, dude. All. <laughs> by the way. the way,
0: by the way, I saw Sung J recently coming from the PGA. I mean, yeah. he's, the, he's the Iron Man of the PGA Tour. Plays 100 weeks a year, it seems like. He goes up to the TSA pre-check line and gets denied. He doesn't have TSA pre-check. Had to go through the regular line with the common folk. I'm like, Sung what are we doing here, my man?
1: I mean, you can make an argument that he doesn't even need to be at a commercial airport yeah, right now. Well. But if you are, dude, get pre-check or get clear. You should be on clear at least, like he he's, spends more time in airports than probably any human in professional golf and, he does, and he's got to just check in regular that that honors that hurts my that hurts me I, I I don't I do pre-check and I am nowhere near the amount of travel days Sungjae has. so Sungjae you got to tighten that up I hope that doesn't affect him at the deer bro it might be still a short flight
0: short flight Detroit to Moline he'll be fine good point all right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Yeah, I know. I know. We promised you Jason Gore this week, last week, but we had this special John Rom episode come up. We couldn't. We couldn't hold on to it. We had to put it out there. So next week, our guy Jason Gore will join us on Golf Stuff Bar. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.